This episode is powered by Den Certifications. You want to deepen your practice or supplement your knowledge for your day-to-day job? You'd be surprised to know how many certifications we do offer. All levels of Reiki, intuitive healing, compassion, animal communications, and of course, our deep 400-hour meditation teacher training program. Go to denmeditation.com and look under certifications for more information. Hello, this is Tal. Welcome to Den Talks Podcast. I am your host, and I'm also the founder of Den Meditation. We have Kat Sadler here today. You know her as a three-time Emmy-winning journalist with 20 years on-air experience. She's renowned for her work on E! Entertainment, where she spent more than a decade contributing to E! News, E! News Weekend, Daily Pop, Live from E! You also probably know her from the famous story of her actually quitting and leaving over wage discrepancy between her and her co-host. We get into that a lot. It's pretty amazing to talk about what inequality is, standing up for yourself, and taking what literally feels like a leap off a cliff into the unknown. We also get into just what is she learning in life? What is she still battling with? She's also an eternal optimist, which I love. And she has an incredible take on no matter what's happened to you through your childhood and what you're going through, how to be optimistic. But what are also the downsides of that optimism? How do you leave yourself vulnerable? And what is the balance and how do you deal with that? It is super relatable. She is adorable and amazing and fun. She gets really raw and personal and talks about things she hasn't talked about elsewhere. We have a great time. I hope you enjoy it. She also has incredible interviews now out on her own new podcast called Naked with Kat Sadler. And after this interview, I promise you're going to want to hear her talk more. I hope you enjoy it. can't understand a word you're saying. <laughs> it's, it's hard. It's, but I feel like when you have a lot to say and you're just ahead of it, it's just a, you don't realize how fast you're talking. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm consciously, who else was just talking about that on our podcast? Maybe Sarah Silverman about or no, it was um, Dak Shepard who does the armchair. And he's yeah. like, I have to consciously tell myself to slow down my speaking. It's yep. like a, an exercise of, it's a good exercise. <laughs> like, take your time. I know. So we're sitting here actually talking about talking too fast because we're both very fast talkers, but it is an exercise. And do you find, because Kat now has a podcast of her own, do you find that you're actually talking to yourself a lot in it to slow yourself down? A little bit. That's been my, my biggest takeaway so far because asking questions, that's just innate at this right, point. Like you've I, done this your whole life yeah, almost. And I definitely talk a lot. Like you were saying, uh, you talked really fast as a child. Same thing. My mom was always like, you're talking too fast. You're talk-. I was like, but I've got words and, look, and now I have a career out of words. So, you know, it all works out. Do you ever bring that end. back to your parents? <laughs> yes, of course. Of I bring course. that back to my parents too. Yeah. And I'm like, remember how you used to yell at me about TV? Well, then I had a whole career for it. So I don't know what to tell you. Mm-hmm. It's funny how the shit that pisses off your parents like really comes around. That's so true. So true. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I am, as I'm kind of studying the new art of podcast life, I, I do notice when I do listen and make the edits and stuff that I need to just slow down a little bit. Are there times like you no, don't I'm even... whispering. Un- <laughs> it's like whispering and slowing down. Yeah. Are there times you're like, you don't even understand yourself? No, no, I understand myself, but I'm thinking of the audience and I'm like, they're, that's going to be so, it's going to be missed on them, you know, because I'm just, blah, blah, blah. Now, do you think it's because it's just free flow for you? You're faster than when you were on TV and TV was like memorized bites? Is that why? Like, what do you think the difference is? I think like the walls come down on a podcast and with TV, yes, it was a little more buttoned up and a little, timing was everything in TV, you know, everything's so concise and succinct and like to time. And this for me is the complete opposite. So I think I just am more me. Um, I know how to 
to do that muscle, the TV muscle when I'm on camera. Um, and, and a lot of that, yes, was memorized. So you don't get lost in, you know, mumbling up too much or reading a prompter or whatever. Right. Um, but with podcasts, it's just more conversation, right? And I would so, I love. Who doesn't? Now, I, I mean, I just so get it. I get the whole podcast game. I love it so well, much. Well, it's fun. Like, if you're the type of person who likes to just sit down and have a good conversation with someone, mm-hmm. then it's exciting to be yeah. able to just do that. Mm-hmm. I always say, at the very least, I'm having great conversations that are stimulating me. So, yeah. like, I feel good. I'm like, I got something out of today, at least. Yes, totally. Which is nice. Yeah. So, part of the reason we wanted to have you here is because you are someone who has frequented the den. Mm-hmm. You are a meditator. I know you're big with yoga. We were talking about that earlier, too. Shout mm-hmm. out to Moto Yoga, our favorite yoga place. We love them. Yes. Um, so talk about when did you start meditating? Mm. It's funny. I, my ex-husband was hugely into yoga and during our marriage, I didn't really go to yoga and he would always try to kind of pull me in. And I was, for whatever reason, that was my pre-yoga life. I wasn't that interested. I was very busy with work and two kids and everything else. And I just, it wasn't my time. And so it was funny after we broke up. I started to explore yoga. My God, that figure. must have driven him <laughs> crazy. <laughs> well, not as much as you'd think because he is pretty enlightened. He's a pretty good guy. And I think he was happy for me to believe, believe it or not. And this your husband you had kids with? Uh, no. Oh, man. Here we go already. Uh, sorry. I've been married twice. <laughs> um, yes, long lives these days. Long lives. Um, I've been married twice. So this was not the, this was my second husband, not the father of my children. But we remain good friends to this day, which is great. Because he's, and you're saying he's always been an enlightened yeah, being. Yeah, he really is. And, um, but it was during that time when I was discovering yoga that I think I really discovered meditation as well. And not even just through the den, but through, you know, our fingertips, you know, the apps online. I just started it and got more of a buzz for it. And just over time, it became more my daily practice. So how do you feel like it has altered stuff for you? Like, how has it changed your perspective on things? Or how has it changed how you put one foot in front of the other? Or has it not? Has it just been a relaxation mm-hmm. tool for mm-hmm. you? For me... It is mostly about balance and about becoming really uh, present and focused. I, like so many of the people I'm sure listening to this, we are <laughs> like life is, it's, it's unreal how fast things are moving. And, um, you know, I'm a single mom. Like I said, I have two teenage boys. I have a career. I'm now, you know, my own boss. I have my own business. And, and I love life. I love getting up every day. So I'm also very social and I have a lot of friends. And so, you know, we're burning it at every end of the candle. That is me. And, me too. and it, it just forces me to be still. And I know myself well enough over the years to know that I am better for myself and better for my family and better for the universe when I, when I just check myself a little bit and that, that brings me back for sure. So how, I mean, you were just saying it, I'm very similar. I'm go, go, go. I mean, I also like to be social and I have my own business. It's the same thing. I have a child, I have my own business, I have animals, but I like to be social. How do you feel like that balance comes into play sometimes? Cause there are moments where I get very torn where I'm like, Oh my God, I haven't seen these friends mm-hmm. and it's not even a requirement. It's like, I, f- I want to, I miss them. I know I fuel off of that too, that connection but I'm so fucking tired, you know? And then it becomes like, what choices am I making for myself? And it becomes a real, like if I could sit back, sometimes I'm actually confused. Like what are the better choices for me? Like which ones are they? And like meditation obviously is very helpful for me in that process. But I do find that to be 
a real struggle when it's almost the flip side, like what you were saying, you love life. I do too. Mm-hmm. So it's like, what is the question when you are so excited about so many things? Right. How can you put that all in perspective or in a way where then it doesn't run you over to the point where you're depleted? Yeah. Well, I think um, I, I am no professional. Like I, I say <laughs> I'm a yogi, but like I, I think I'm certainly a work in progress. So to we answer that, honestly, I just think... I pay a lot of attention to my body and I can feel it when I I'm spiraling a little. So just to answer your question, I don't, I don't know that I have it all figured out and that, that I know those cues or I know when to say no, but I feel it in my bones when I'm doing too much or I start to become irritable or I am, you know, have less patience or I'm, annoyed with people like all those little cues for me are like this ding 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 this like right. bell goes off and I'm like you have to stop and you and you have to say no and you have to go to your book and go to your room and light a candle I thank goodness am acutely aware of that when it starts happening and I'm pretty decent at reeling it back in so and when you say that you're decent like you can say no like to anything or do certain things gets do you have like a priority list where you know what goes first I'm pretty good at kids I mean that's easy kids and pets right <laughs> I mean that's always going to be first um and there is a lot of freedom now you know I worked for a big tv network for ever. And now that I am my own boss, there's a lot of freedom and flexibility in that. And that's just been hugely, um, awakening for me. And I love it because when I know I'm going to be working nights or working weekends, it's okay. I can, I am so blessed to have the now flexibility to say, well, I'm not going to work on Monday, Tuesday, or I can carve out time now because I'm, I'm more in charge of, of my, my business. Um, but I think, I think with age, saying no gets a lot easier. I do don't too. You? Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't operate in guilt as much as I used to as a young woman um, and being a pleaser like so many of us are and yeah. saying yes. Um, I guess that comes with just knowing yourself more. And I don't, I don't feel like I have to do really anything. It's usually want-based, right? Yeah. So When do you feel like the pleasing thing shifted for you? Because it's interesting. I like, I get it. I'm a mm. caretaker, mm. a little bit of a pleaser, even though like my husband would be like, um, no, she's not. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, it's, it's interesting because I do think it comes with age. Mm. But does it also, I guess my question is more geared, what I'm trying to get at is you were very successful. Mm. Do you think some of it is you satisfied something that you felt like you had to prove that you needed to do? And now mm. that you feel like you've done it, you have more freedom or no? Or is it simply wisdom and age and time? That's a wonderful question. I haven't really thought about that that much, but um, maybe just, and maybe it is just a default of age, but when you learn yourself better and when Mm -hmm. you're more in tune with who you are and what you stand for and how you operate and, and if you're in that long enough, I think that just kind of fades away a little bit. Yeah. But you don't. I mean, I always tease, like, I would love to go back and get my 22-year-old ass, but I wouldn't go back to get anything else from being 22, right? So I, know, isn't it so I was crazy? so insecure and so, you know, confused or what was, you know, I had confidence. That's different, right? I knew I what I was too. good at, but I walked around like almost like a zombie of just trying to please everyone or, you know, I just, you don't know who you are often. I know down to those that do, but I certainly didn't. I actually feel like the twenties are very much about people figuring out who they are. Mm -hmm. And it is like Christ, that moment of identity crisis for most people. Cause I was actually very confident too. And I think I probably had more clarity in who I was than most people. And I 
still had an identity crisis of like, mm-hmm. who the fuck am I? What do I want to do? Is this really the career I want to do? What does that mean? Like, I find the 20s is just you're juggling identity like a million ways. Yeah. I remember sitting at a job. I was an assistant at NBC at the time. And I was like, I don't What am I doing? I don't think I want to do this. But I know I had like job applications just sitting on the side and they ranged from everything. I mean, literally, I would go take an interview for like PR firm and then I'd be like sending in like vet school applications. And, then, and by the way, I was like, I could see myself doing all of these things. There wasn't like one thing yeah. that felt like I had to do it in that moment. Mm-hmm. But like, I find the 20s to be fascinating. I kind, yeah. of, I kind of love talking about them. Because yeah, it would be nice to go back and do it again because that journey's fun. Like you just oh, said, like so fun. exploring who you are is really cool. But it'd be nice to just have the knowledge that you know it's, it's going to be work okay. Out. <laughs> exactly. But I think I, I think I was lucky because I feel like I always did feel that a little bit. I always had this feeling of I might zig and zag a lot, but it's going to get to a point that's going to make sense. Mm-hmm. I remember answering that in a job interview out of college. Someone was like what do you think you're going to do in 50 years? I'm like, I have no clue. It might not even exist yet, which by the way, it didn't. So it's funny that I said that. It doesn't. It wasn't 50 years because I'd be much older. But you know, later it was like 30 years or something. And I'm like, it might not even exist yet, but I think I'll probably get a skill set from here and skill set from there and it'll all make sense. And it might be, and the woman looked at me like I was, crazy wow. by the way I did not get that job <laughs> <laughs> they're lost but I mean all fine again but it yeah. was funny I think I always had this sense of like I don't know it, it will it does make sense in the long run mm-hmm. but it's funny but to your point so you all about figuring out who you are and getting there and do you feel like meditation has helped you with that yoga has helped you with that more or it's just been a slow journey you've been getting there um it's interesting because I had two kids on the young side and when they were younger and they were toddlers, I really put myself to the kind of the the back of the room. You know, I wasn't, I didn't even work out for like a decade at all. (laughs) Like no joke. Like a lot of people are like, Oh, I'm going to have a baby and I'm going to get to the gym like on the third week. You know, I literally just, I worked incessantly and I mothered every moment I could. Right. So I just, yeah. But I mean, looking back, I'm trying to remember when the shift was when I was like, I really want to start working out. Actually, it was like one of my best friends um, has always been the opposite of me. She's like, she owns a gym in Minneapolis, my college, my best friend from college. Anyway, a switch went on and I discovered exercise even, you know, I was very active as a teenager. I was a dancer, I was a cheerleader. I, you know, I, I, I was always moving, um, but that went away from me for a long time yeah. when my kids were young. And so when I rediscovered the joys of of just physical health honestly I think that woke me up a little bit that aligned with also I saw food ink and I changed the way I ate I mean (laughs) between how what I was eating and I started working out again then came the yoga then came kind of more of the self-discovery so all of that kind of played in when I frankly just started working out again I, I did a couple half marathons and then I broke up with my husband and then I started going to yoga. So really in the last, you know, five years of my life, have I really started to tune into, um, just the joys of, and the benefits of mostly yoga for me, it's, it's my church. It's where I, when I go to the mat and I'm still, and I, it's just me and my thoughts. I just really, I just, I always feel better going. I have the most like creative epiphanies when I'm literally in downward dog about my work. Really? I, I get literally, I feel like sometimes like my 
my, it, this sounds crazy, but I feel like my dad who has passed, like speaks to me when I'm in yoga, sound crazy like, at all. like things just come. It's like the energy and the community aspect. You know, I just, I, all of that in one place for me, it just, it really, it's pretty, pretty rad. How long ago did your dad pass? He passed about five years ago. So huh, around funny. when you, that one, I, that's, that's interesting. Funny. Yeah, that's so around crazy. when you started doing yoga. That's crazy. Yeah. I've so it's like your together. guys' meeting place. Maybe. And he was the opposite of yoga. God love him. But um, totally. yeah, yeah. He was like, you know, eats Pizza Hut and um, and walked his dogs. But that was about walked the most exercise he, he really did. Yeah. That's amazing. Is your mom still alive? Yes, she is. She turned 70 this year. Mm-hmm. And my mom, mom is a huge yogi. I can't even have the Always? discussion. No, but um, in her adult life, probably, I would say she probably got into yoga in her 50s. Um, and she was another person in my life who kind of always nudged me towards yoga, but I always resisted. resisted. We went on a yoga retreat to Costa Rica. Probably, together. Yes, together. <laughs> and I didn't even know what a downward dog was. This was like five years ago or, or a little before that, even maybe six, seven years ago. Um, and so she's always, she's traveled the world. She's been to India. My mom is a total badass and so were your parents still married no they divorced when I was two. Oh wow yeah so you never really knew them together as, as one not really no and did they stay living near each other like did you have both of them equally in your life or no not as different much time? my mom got remarried when I was about four and so my stepdad raised me for the most part until I was 16 17 um and my dad and I had we were never really close when I was young and I did visit him and he definitely was an influence on my life, but we, it was very hit and miss. It was never like every other weekend. He lived about an hour away. Oh, that's hard. Right. But we reconnected when I was in college and as an adult, you know, we kind of made some peace about some of the, the childhood, the lack thereof of fatherhood yeah, to child. It yeah. is interesting. I feel mm-hmm. like back then it's, I mean, you know, you have a, you have a, someone who also is, I'm guessing, still part of your kid's yes. life. Yeah. But I feel like it is so different now. It doesn't mean that every man is great and shows up. But I do feel like the expectations now, like, mm-hmm. are there versus I do feel like there was something, you know, 30 plus years ago, for it, whatever, whatever amount yeah. of years ago, where, like, it was almost like the minute a divorce happened, the man was just pushed aside. Yeah. And they didn't know any better or know any different or that they were supposed to do it differently and right. kind of almost hid yeah and like, like they don't have the tools like they just didn't all. you know and, and sometimes just silence and distance was the coping it was the coping yeah and not yeah. that I'm making any excuses yeah, yeah. for him at all but yeah. it's like it's so fascinating because I do find mm-hmm. that's more of the story from yeah. back then is like the dads just kind of disappear and it wasn't even intentional it's not like they necessarily wanted to I think they thought right. that was like what they were supposed to do right and then they have a new family and then a new wife and new kids did and he have so a new he did he did so you know, and I that's do, really hurtful for. Yeah, well, I'm very close to to the, the my half siblings of his also um, to this day, so that didn't bother me as much. But but I do think it, it, a lot of it does have to do with the times. And today we have more permission. Uh, when Gwyneth and Chris consciously uncoupled, <laughs> I like to say that I did first because my first husband and I, same thing. Like he's remarried. His wife works with me. We work really? together. She's an amazing stepmom to my kids. Like we go on vacations together. We do holidays together. That's fantastic. I, well, I feel lucky and blessed because I do think it takes each of the adults in the equation to do their part to make that happen. If there's one bad seed, I've heard so many stories, obviously, that you can't see your ex-wife or there's jealousy or there's, you know, all of that. Right. It takes all the partners. It takes everybody. 
And do you feel like it was, do you feel like it's a lot of work to make that happen? Or if, I mean, I would think it is because that's a lot of moving pieces. I think that's a great way to say it. A lot of moving pieces. Um, you know, my kids are back and forth a lot and there is a lot of coordination going on with everything from, you know, orthodontist appointments to sports to school. I mean, it's constant. It's a lot of work, but it's, um, it's so rewarding. It's funny. My youngest was applying to high school or is applying to high school right now. And he was in one of his interviews recently and, and the, the teacher interviewed Orion and then he brought me in to interview me. And then he just said, the, the first thing he said was, wow, bravo, what you're doing with your family. Your son, was, <laughs> your son was just telling me about how, you know, it's this very modern, progressive, like co-parenting situation. And I was like, oh, just to hear that he says that on his own volition to a random stranger is pretty rewarding, you know? Oh my God, that's the, like, yeah. you succeeded. You're yeah. good. You can yeah. like hang up, you know, you're good. <laughs> hang nice. up your hat, you're done. It's nice. It's not perfect. It never is. Nothing but is. But, um, but it's, that's, that's better than I had it because my mom and dad actually despised one another for a very long time. So, yeah. Good. Do you, I have two questions on this, but let's start with your dad and then we'll move on. Do you remember the moment that things shifted for you guys? Hmm. I remember, and I don't know if there's any real significance. Well, there must be. Um, I've never really vocalized this, but I was in college and he lived about 20 minutes down the road from Indiana University in Bloomington where I was going to school. And he met me for a basketball game, which is, we love basketball in Indiana. We went to um, Hoosiers. a Hoosiers game and we went for, uh, we went to this place called Nick's afterwards, which is this very famous pub uh, on campus. And we had a Stromboli sandwich, which was his <laughs> favorite. And, and we weren't particularly close. Like I said, like I didn't, we didn't talk every day. It wasn't like I called my dad for advice. Like we were pretty estranged, but right. there was a lot of love there regardless. Mm -hmm. You know, there wasn't like bad blood. It was just time and distance yeah. and you know, all those things. Um, and I remember driving back to Martinsville with him for whatever reason that night. And I remember, I think he said for the very first time ever, he took some ownership over not really being around. And it was just like, you know, it was an, it was an apology, I think, you know, it's well, his my, version for sure. His version with best words he could come up with. It was his way of saying he was sorry. And so I think that must've been the shift. That actually like brings tears to my eyes because yeah. don't you wonder what it was that made him even, because mm -hmm. a lot of men would have just kept moving forward mm -hmm. in their mind. They might be mm -hmm. like, I get it now and just tried through action to make it different. But mm -hmm. it's interesting that he felt like he needed to say something to you. Yeah. That's actually really beautiful. Yeah, it really was. And how lucky are you? Because as women, we actually need to hear it sometimes. Yeah, and it was so simple, right? Like, and and it can be that just that that sweet and simple of a moment to just make all the difference. Because for me, that obviously, you know, I put down, I dropped the walls or the resentment or whatever else yeah. I was probably harboring at the time. Do you feel like that was the moment you started looking at him as a human, like as someone who has his own shit and his own history and his own? Because the way you talk, it's really interesting to me. The, and granted, you're talking from today's point of view, is very accepting of who everyone is. Just like mm. when you were talking about him apologizing to you, it's like, it was his words. He might not have necessarily said, I'm sorry, but he was owning it his way, which, mm -hmm. I mean, I think is the key to so many people just being able to move on with each other is understanding everyone does things differently yeah. and their intention might be what you want. It just might not sound how you want it to. Yeah. But do you feel like you, clearly you had that perspective a little bit back then too, because you accepted it. Yeah. So do you feel like you've always been the type of person who had the ability to see people clearly despite all the kind of bullshit that goes around them? Or is that something that grew over time? I may have been born with that. I think 
I have a, a pretty uh, empathetic nature just be, because of how I'm wired, probably. I don't yeah. know. That could also come from, you know, we had our fair share of adversity growing up also and, and um, some, some, some crisis mode in my upbringing with addiction and things like that. So I think I was hyper aware. With like your mom or? Um, with my stepdad. Um, so I was just like very aware of everything around me all the time. And I think if, if a therapist were to diagnose it at the time I was, and I probably any of your listeners who, who have studied addiction know, like everybody has their role in the family and I was the cheerleader, mm-hmm. you know, I was like, okay. the, everything's okay. And you know, I was always trying to be perfect and do everything right. And like keep everything okay. Um, but, but through that, I really became an optimist and whether or not that's good that's or bad, beautiful. I just am by nature. And, by the way, that's come back to really bite me in the ass, you know, when you're when you are trusting and when you do see the best in people and when you are loving at the core beyond anything else, you know, you get taken advantage of too. So, so talk to me about that mo- doesn't stop me though. Well, that's what I was about to ask you. So talk to me about like a moment where it has bitten you in the ass, but why ultimately it's worth it. Well, with men, gosh darn it. <laughs> Are we going to go there? Um, let's do it. Cheers. Where's the Kleenex? Because uh, we have it somewhere. And where's the, I have, wa- I have water, but I mean, where's <laughs> the wine? I can't <laughs> um, yeah. So my mom, she's actually been married five times. Wow. And while being this amazing, fearless feminist, she's a published author, she is a business owner, she has a foundation called the Women Like Us Foundation. She does so many you called great her things. called her badass earlier. She's yeah. amazing. She's been in and out of a lot of marriages, obviously, and she got it right. Thankfully, Jim, her husband now, is the greatest guy ever, and they'll be together forever. But through her own discovery, I never really saw a relationship succeed. I never saw the example, you know, of what a husband wife combo could look like and a really healthy relationship dynamic ever. Right. So my first husband and I didn't have any real dramatic reason for divorcing and we were together for 12 years. We met very, very young. So that's why it's a long time. It was a long time. But it wasn't toxic. It wasn't like terrible. We just, we just both moved on with our lives. And I don't know. I think um, to answer your question, I just, I think I had, if I have work to do, not if, the work I need to do <laughs> is on, on myself and how I see myself in relationships and how to, um, to be better at them or better, or better at, it's funny. Um, I got in a very deep conversation about this. Olivia Munn is my first guest on my podcast, and we got in this whole conversation about toxic relationships. Yeah. And and it's so easy to say, you know, <clears throat> he did this or then he did that, but it's really why. What about me? Why yeah. am I a, attracted to this type of person? Why am I? What what's broken about myself? What damage do I have that it keeps making me pick like this? So what is my part in that? And I'm really trying to figure that out right now. Do you feel like you're a fixer? Do you pick, is it kind of like you could almost love anyone, like you said, so therefore instead of really stopping to think what might be the best match for you, it's more like, but this person's fantastic because you see all the beauty in someone, mm-hmm. even though they might not be fantastic for you. Yeah. I've been known to do that too. See? Yeah, yeah. It's we hard. have a lot in common. We do, by the way. <laughs> oh I mean, I, we really do, actually. Wow. But it's... But yes, you nailed it. I mean, I think that's it. I, I like to... There's probably something maternal in there where I like to take care of people. I'm not real good at 
I'm not, I'm pretty, I just don't know how to let somebody take care of me. And when those people have shown up in my life, I, I, I push them away. I, I was, don't know. I was going to say, so with your husbands, like any of them or anyone you've been in a relationship with, do you feel like that's a complaint you get? Of Because I've gotten that too. It's hard. When you are a caretaker, naturally, I think the hardest thing to learn is how to be taken care of. Mm-hmm. I think you hit it the nail on the head. Have you heard that? Like, because I've heard that too. Like, even my husband says it all the time. It's like, let me do this for you. Yeah, I mean, I wish he would say that more, but he <laughs> is. I think there is confusion sometimes in how to take care of me, which I understand. Like, for him, it's a lot like, but you're strong and you have it. So sometimes they don't even see that you need to be taken care of mm-hmm. when it, everyone does. Like, we mm-hmm. all want it. Mm-hmm. But then, for probably for some people too, it's like, I'm trying, I'm reaching out to you. Like my ex-husband was a lot like that. He was always like, I'm trying so hard to take care of you and you just won't let me. And I never understood it. I'm like, what do you mean I won't let you? Like it was a really hard thing for me to understand. But I remember he, that used to really bother him. He's like, all I want to do is take care of you. you but it's almost like he couldn't penetrate your strength because yeah. you weren't being vulnerable enough to allow him to like do what he could do. Exactly. Mm. It's hard to be vulnerable if you're someone who takes care of other people because you have to kind of shore up. And especially when you go back to what you're saying, how it started for you, if you're in a chaotic family, you know, dynamic and someone who's, you know, battling addictions, which is hard for everyone around them, Mm -hmm. as hard as it is for them, as you know, it's like crippling for people around them. I can imagine like your natural armor is probably really tough. I think it's protection. Yeah. yeah I think, you know, if we were to diagnose it, it's probably Let's in there somewhere. It. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I I I think I have to learn to to put the armor down a little bit. I and mean trust and but then when you but then when you are in a relationship that blows up like mine did three days ago. Um, oh no. Yeah. It's okay. I'm sorry. But, but <laughs> we'll but, get into that next. <laughs> <laughs> but it's because I trusted it back to me being like rose colored glasses and I believe in you and, and, and you will be the best version of you and I can hold your hand along the way and you support people and you love them to pieces and then they still fuck you over it's like oh god did i ask for it am i wearing a sign that says hurt me like but you know what i always say they don't work until it works you know what i mean because it's like you can't you're not only going to pick relationships that work nobody does that it's like impossible so it's like they all blow up until it doesn't blow up yeah you know what i mean and it's like Again, with your type, if we have that similar personality, you're going to be attracted to people of all types. And so it takes sometimes a little longer because mm-hmm. not all types are exactly where you should be. Right. And I do also believe if you are someone who's getting more in touch with their spirituality, the universe will kick you in the ass when it's not right. So it will have to blow up sometimes because you, probably like me, will hold the fuck on like so tight to something that's probably very clear to other people. This is probably not right for you. Yes. and But you know what? I think the universe, you just said it, it sometimes it kicks you in the ass, but it also whispers and I ignore those whispers. Oh, I ignore some whispers too. Oh. That's why I say you ignore the whispers and then you get a big fat ass It's kick. like, what do we have to do? Like, so I, part of that again is on me it's like I I knew I always knew I you we lied ourselves for sure to keep everything on the tracks so when you met this last guy (laughs) minus what you obviously thought but what did you know like deep down inside what did you know well it's funny I I don't think I have trust issues per se because really um that wasn't the issue with my my husband's um so Maybe, I don't know, he, he might argue that, but I think in my intuition was always that he would stray or was straying or was cheating on some level. Um, and that is how it ended. But what's funny is I was, I was trying to get out of the relationship anyway 
two weeks prior, I did the like very grown up thing. Like I'm not happy. And I, all these whispers and all these little red flags and all this toxicity and negativity. And like, again, the, the work, it just shouldn't be that, right. That much. Right. 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 It's work, but mm. yes, it shouldn't feel like, I felt like it was a boulder up the hill, keeping me from my my greatness. Do you know what I mean? When you're Absolutely. putting so much time and energy to something and it just then all you're on that frequency, which I like to talk about, it's like, it's just wrong. And again, when I really listen, I, I just, I was like, I have to let this go. Like I really do love this man, but I know it's not good for me. I know it's not. And so I did the really grown up thing and I, I went over to his house and I said, he was 12 years younger. That's probably why I keep saying this, but I just said, I have to, this is, we're done. And it was a little out of left field for him. Cut to, I'm telling you all of the gossip right now. This I love like it. I t- love it. <laughs> but I'm going to try and make this poignant for your listeners. But it's the already point was, poignant because we've all been through this. Okay. Shit, so all right, it's all so right. poignant. <clears throat> but I was trying to, I was trying to get out in a healthy way um, that wasn't so dramatic and over the top. And then I got pulled back. within days. I was pulled right back in. He was ill he, in the middle of the night. He needed me to take care of him. I come to the rescue. Of course. Drop everything else. So, you know. And, um, within days I found out that he was super cheating on me. But those are the people that hold on the tightest, the ones that are cheating. They hold on tight. That might be the lesson. Yeah. I, looking back, that, that it, rings it very dr- true. It drives me crazy. Like in hindsight, I look mm-hmm. back and I'm like the few like times I've been involved in those scenarios and I'm like, those are the ones, same thing. Intuition on, ding, ding, ding. You're right there. And you're trying so hard to be like honest about it and mature about it. Shit happens, whatever. And those are the ones that like squeeze you out of life because they like convince you you're crazy because they can't admit it. And so then you're like, okay, well then maybe I am crazy because why wouldn't they just tell me? I, we just had a conversation about it or, and it, they squeeze everything. You're, you should be very happy it ended. I am. And that's why. I love that you try to get out of it. And then it just went. Isn't that crazy? But that's back to your point of the universe just going like shaking you over the head. It's like you're not listening. I I tried and then I got sucked back in and they're like, great, do we have to drop this on you? Because now we will hear the facts. And then you can't run from the receipts. I mean, the receipts were there. It's like, cat, come on. Right. But by the way, when you're saying I don't have trust issues, your trust issues with that one was with yourself. It wasn't with him. You know what I mean? You're so right. It's like you did have trust issues, but you had trust issues with your own gut and your own intuition. Yes, and I question that, and I shouldn't, and I I have to. That's that's the getting that fit again, and that's where the yoga comes in, the meditation comes in, and all the books that I read. It's like you have to be... That is so, it's just as important as eating food, I think, because that's when I am like that, I am clear. If I'm not doing all that, and I'm taken away by some negativity, and I'm putting my time in all this bullshit then I forget what I know. Of course. It's like anything. When you don't sleep, you're tired, you're irritable. Yeah. It's like if you're not doing your practice, whatever it is for you, mm-hmm. it's harder to handle all that crappy energy coming your way. Yeah. It's like your shield is down. Mm-hmm. Hey, sorry for the interruption, but we are always being asked about how can I deepen my practice or what are some of the things I can do when I can't come into your studio all the time? Well, we've got incredible retreats and I wanted to tell you about a few of them. Coming up in May, we have our Ojai Silent Retreat, May 9th through 12th, led by Heather Preet. These silent retreats are incredible and you will deepen your experience like you won't believe. Then we have in August coming up, we have in Sedona, Rise in Love with Chandresh Bardwatch. That's August 14th through 18th. And then look, if you don't want to travel or spend the 
and you want something a little more simple, we've got a few day-longs that are incredible that take place in the Los Angeles area. So on Sunday, June 9th, we have Relational Mindfulness with Eden Tull. On Saturday, September 21st, we have Yoga Nidra and Self-Inquiry with Tracy Stanley. And on Saturday, September 28th, Self-Compassion with Heather Preet. Go to denretreats.com, get all the information that you need, and sign up there. I want to tell you about our next Den Talks Live. These events have been so much fun, and this one is going to be a blast. We have the That's So Retrograde Girls coming back in for an ultimate girls' night in. It's going to be 7.30 p.m. Friday, May 17th at La Brea. There'll be CBD cocktails, mocktails. My intent's going to be there making bracelets. We'll have some tarot card reading happening, some rosé, light bites, and, of course, tons of laughs. Ooh, and we're going to do a mini craft night with the ladies, which they are known for. And, yes, I promise there'll still be an interview. So go to dentalkspodcast.com. Reserve your space this one is going to fill up and I promise it's going to be a great night. Can't wait to see you there. How, what I find fascinating though and like your, especially your marriage breakups, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you seem to have like really good breakups though. <laughs> I'm very good at breakups. I'm friends with no, all my exes. But I mean, I that's, that's not always common. I know. But see, I feel like that has to mean something else is wrong with me. <laughs> I can't even stay mad at people. See, but that's nice. Uh, staying uh, mad at someone is so not worth it. It's like just not that you should be really happy as a skill set. Okay. Staying mad. What does that get anybody? I know. I know. Oh, well, I, I suppose you're right. Unless I, unless I put down all my walls again and people I had, um, I went one time actually to, to this shaman who told me that, you know, especially men would feast on on me <laughs> in the word. sense what a word <laughs> on the sense of my 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 goodness, goodness I hate to say you know what I mean he was like be careful well you do that is something and you he have was to learn. right I mean that's exactly what happened in this last relationship um so I have to be aware of that yeah for sure but I do think as far as like in the past it's like you already you broke up. Like that's the good news. You're not allowing that stuff to right. be in you anymore, literally and figuratively. Mm-hmm. But it's like, <laughs> but it's, but it doesn't mean you have to. Just what we were talking about earlier with your dad is if you don't have to hate them. Like it's right. it's such a great. I think that's such a great skill to be able to be like a beautiful person. I thought they were a beautiful person, but not right for me. Right. So I can still think they're a beautiful person, and like we can move on with our lives. But that's a huge lesson for so many people. Because don't you think your life is so much easier the fact that you get along with all these people? No question. I, I, I have read a lot over the years. It's, I may not have worked out for a long time, but I always <laughs> have have read. You know a lot of the greats, you know, self-help, call it what you will, but, you know, forgiveness is a gift to yourself. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's poison to hold on in any other way. So I, I get there pretty quickly. I do. And it serves me so much because you're right. Like I'm not holding on to that. That's just a terrible way to feel. And for me, it's like, if it's over, it's over. And that might be some of the adversity in my childhood and the different dads and all that. I got very good at adjusting float and deal, you know, cause I was used to the change. Yeah. So in one way, an ad, a, advantage of that was probably in relationships. If it's done for me, the switch is turned off and it uh-huh. really is done. So I, it doesn't linger. It doesn't like bother me forever. But I also wonder if that's n- maybe dangerous that I can turn the switch, switch off so really fast. And then I'm like, woohoo, crazy. <laughs> <laughs> that's <laughs> you know what I mean? But I'm in that mode right now because like I said, I just had this bad breakup. So I'm doing everything in my power to just stay above water and keep moving, you know? 
But you have, I mean, that's self-survival too. Yeah. I mean, versus staying, I mean, I, there is something to be said of like, take the moment and be right. sad and like, don't, yes. don't feel not your feel your feelings. Yeah. But then there's like, we talk about this on podcasts a lot. Like when does it become too much? Like what's mm-hmm. the balance of like processing your feelings and feeling your feelings and then letting your feelings completely drown you? Because yeah. there is a, then there are the people who don't function and move right. because they refuse to like see past what's that, you know, the sadness. Right. So as long as you're feeling your feelings a little bit. Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> I, am. I am. Cue the water rocks. Yes. But speaking of which, so can we, I want to talk about E for a little bit. Yeah. So because in some ways, actually learning all this stuff about you really kind of makes sense how you can make this huge decision. Mm-hmm. So when you learn that there was no, you, and by the way, I come from the same business behind the scenes. I get it. My ex-husband and I, he was younger than me. We did the exact same thing. He was always paid exactly what I was paid, if not slightly more, but yet I was technically more experienced than him. And it used to drive me crazy. I mean, crazy to a point, but I was always like, wait, this makes no sense. I've been doing this longer. My job, I was always a higher level too, because I was older. Uh, And I was like, I'm like a level higher than you. Why are, it was crazy, but whatever. So I get it. Like, so my question to you is when you first found that out, what did you feel? Um, I felt a little humiliated, uh, embarrassed. Because you're like, all these people know something. Yeah. And and even a little shame on me for not knowing sooner. Like, whoa, I, you know, I, again, I'm so trusting. Like, good work, hard work pays off. Like, of course, you know. Um, and then anger. That I mean, definitely anger fueled me at that point. Because, yeah. because I knew how hard I was working at the time I had gotten a second show. Um, so I was doing like two shows a day. I was working longer hours. And they didn't give you a raise when you were doing two shows, right? So no. That's so crazy to me. No. I mean, it is a little how the contracts work within that, that business at that time. It's like if you are a product of the news division, at the end of the day, they have the right to use you to do anything all day. Um, but I did that in good faith, knowing my negotiations were coming up at the end of the year. So right. even the advice of my team was like, just be you, keep working your ass off, keep being great. You'll be indisposable and you'll get a huge raise at the end of the year, you know? And so I trusted that and I was like, okay. And then I found out I was, you know, he was making double what I was making. And so, you know, I was like, okay, we're asking for at least ballpark, right? I wasn't saying I needed more or needed the even exact amount. Which is amazing because you could have. Because I was, I was on more shows. I was, I was... And there was no justification. There three hours earlier every day. I was, you know, so, and no justification. So, um, I just wanted ballpark and, and, but I was very clear, um, in my conviction early on that that is what I would accept or I would go. And they like knew that, that never wavered. Um, no, when I say they, I mean my team, because you when knew, you're an right. on-air TV person, you know this, but just for the audience who might not, like you don't negotiate for yourself per se, you have your agents do it for you. So they take all their cues from what I want, but they're actually on the phone with business affairs doing, doing the work. Can I ask, did you have a female or a male agent? Male. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I would have kind of loved if you had a female because she would have tore them into a new one. Yeah, yeah. By the way, not that it would have changed anything. I'm just saying the anger would have like, but not that that helps either, by the way. Anger does not always help things. But I will say that the the men of on my team, most of which all men were doing the the negotiating, my lawyer also, um, after the fact were like, wow. You know, I don't think they even really believed I was going to walk. You know what I mean? Like, it was down to the very wire when I was like, no, 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 we're done, decision made. 
But after the fact and after, you know, the response that I got from even doing that, they were like, you never wavered. I think they were surprised. So here's my question. If you were a boy Mm -hmm. and you were negotiating for New Deal or whatever and wanted something Mm -hmm. and same thing, the guy would have said, I'm going to walk if I don't get this. Do you think they actually would have believed that he would have walked? Probably. Yes. Of course. Isn't that interesting though? Well, they're probably A, I'm a woman. B, I'm a single mom technically with two kids. I have the kids the majority of the time and I'm not 25. So I'm an aging woman on television with two kids who needs this job, right? Like that's probably how they, even on my team, my support, my support even probably saw it like that, you know? Isn't it? It's, it's. I'm going to use the word burden, and I want to be clear. I don't mean it's a burden as a mom myself. Love having a child. Mm -hmm. But in that regard, it sucks that it becomes this burden. Like, it's this weird thing that you're a mom, and you have kids, and people all of a sudden look at you. They look at you. Not Let's say you were still married, and your husband did the same job. They would never look at him and think that he would walk. Like, it would never be the same equal story for both people, even if it was the exact equal scenario. Yeah. Ever. It's like, it's just bullshit. Yeah. I mean, there's something called the, the, the mom penalty. Are you familiar with this? No, it's but like it a, makes sense. The penalty tax. And it's, it's, it's about the fact that, you know, it, it is so reverse. Like we are technically um, paid less also because we're seen as like you said, having the burden and not as devoted as an employee and all of these things that take us away from being as good of an employee as a, a guy would be. And it is scary. Like when you're thinking of, and your job is slightly different than other people's, but when a lot of women who have kids are now trying to look for a new job, mm-hmm. so people don't even know them. Let's say that it's not even somewhere where they're like, that woman kicks ass. She's mm-hmm. amazing. She'll figure it out. Kids or no kids. Mm-hmm. If you're trying to go somewhere new, I feel like if God forbid they know you have kids, right. they'd be like, why would we hire this person? She's not going to work as long. She's not going to show up as much. She's going to leave early. Like all these things will automatically be prejudged mm-hmm. before they even know you or how efficient you are. Like, I mean, and we all know moms will get shit done a lot faster and quicker and better than yeah, it's because like, you just learn you have to. <laughs> it's so the opposite, isn't it? Totally. I feel like, oh, she's a mom. Oh, let's get her on because we know she can multitask. We know she has time management. Yeah. Down. We know she can like she's have all waste these our time. Exactly. Um, yeah, I I hope that is changing. I feel like, listen, if there's been anything positive to come out of the last year, those conversations are at least being had. And yep. maybe the people in HR and across all industries and these people doing the hiring are just at least thinking differently about who they are employing and why. And like shedding some of that old, archaic thinking. Do you feel like, what was their response when you countered? What mm-hmm. was their response as to why they wouldn't even get into that ballpark? Because that's like what's so crazy to me. It's like, it, was it like too big of a raise precedentially? Like a little what bit was of that. Their... I think it was too, you know, when when they're looking at the dollars and cents, you know, I think there's a certain percentage that most people, you know, make in, in a raise and how it looks annually, right. et cetera, and how that, you know, that's just way too far of a leap. Like why would they ever in a million years do that? Um, I think that was part of it. I also don't know that until the end, if they really understood that for me, it was more about the gender. It's principle. It was more principle and what I knew I deserved after being there 12 years. So they didn't take that into account about what the raise means. They, to them, it was just dollars. Yeah. And they didn't really get, no, these dollars signify respect. It signifies principle. It signifies she's equal. She's valuable. They didn't get it. Yeah. 
And I it really, does. It means all that stuff. That's what people don't realize. If that's what you're trading, that's your bartering system. Mm-hmm. It means all those things. All those things. And the only real face-to-face I got at the end when I was able to ask the question point blank and look at the gentleman making the decision, I said, why? I said, just at least before I walk out that door, tell me. That's what I would want to know. You know, just tell me. Is he doubly good at his job? You know, <laughs> tell me why. And the only response I got was, we are looking through a different lens. But that's... Draw but, your own conclusions. But by the way, then thank you on behalf of all women, because maybe they're going to switch the lens. Because it, they shouldn't be looking through a different lens. That's like the bullshit. I mean, that goes back it's to civil bullshit. rights. It goes back to everything. It's like those lenses, it's not an okay lens. No. It's not an okay lens. I actually get really frustrated even thinking about it, especially as women who've like, we've worked our asses off. And by the way, whether you're a working mom or not a working mom or choose not to work at all, like it doesn't matter. But if you do choose to put yourself out in the workforce and you're not valued equal to someone doing the same job as you, it's infuriating. Mm -hmm. It's infuriating. Even as a mom, if you're, if you're a stay at home mom, you're infuriated when you're not valued equal in your own household. It's the same idea. It's like you want to be regarded. Yes. Regarded and just validated. And, um, it's amazing what I've since learned after speaking with many attorneys and about our rights and, and, and our legal rights and how it pertains to the laws, et cetera, is just the amount of ludicrous like justifications that corporations will now give their employees. Like, you know, in the press, even I think after I left, they tried to say all this shit that really makes no sense just to defend their position. Things like, well, she was more daytime and he was more night. Like oh all of which, like anyone who watched the network those years knew like the, the on par, we were like in the exact same apples to apples category, but they just, they'll slant anything to defend themselves. Was your, was he, was your co-host mortified? It's like a weird position to be in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think he was. It, it, that's that's the hardest part of this whole thing, to be honest. Um, but he he was was very supportive of me asking for what he made. He he was he disclosed that to me as a friend. Um, so he was right there next to me, saying, "Go in and get yours." He was completely there. Um, the backlash he got personally and the like social. So not his fault. No. I, I think I said that more times in the press than I I couldn't say it anymore, that don't take this out on him. It has nothing to do with him. No, it's a way bigger problem. That's yeah. the problem. It's yeah. way above him, and that's the shit we have to change. Yeah. So did you think they were going to, like when you were like, I'm going to leave, did you think they were going to cave? Like were you surprised in the long run? Were you like kind of like, oh, shit, but now I have to do it? <laughs> no. I was you know what, back to, again, frequency and what, you know, I could feel that as much as, like, I was, my heart was breaking and I was scared to death. I mean, because, mind you, I knew that I was going to, you know, when it wasn't, when the writing was on the wall and I knew they weren't going to pay me, I was like, okay, well, how, how's this exit going to look and how do I want to present this for myself, being true to myself, true to my children, and, I am a public person, so how's this going to look in the world? And um, I just knew that I, w- I was going to write my truth and just put it on my blog and call it a day. Now, I didn't know if anyone would care, but I was also very scared because I had to say goodbye on live television on my very last day. So you can imagine how emotional I was, and right. I was 
saddened um, and, it, you know, I was saying goodbye to my work family after being there all those years, but I was also holding on to, not a secret, but I was holding on to the reason I was leaving. No one knew. Like, my coworkers didn't know. Even my bosses, they didn't think I was going to go out and say anything. They just thought I was going to leave. Of course. So it was highly stressful, highly stressful time. Um, but having said all that, I was completely secure in my decision. I, um, I had, I had sought the advice of so many of my female friends and mentors and had, you know, closed door conversations. Should I, shouldn't I, what should I do? What should I say? Should I not do I, you know, if I said something, I could maybe never work again. Would I be block blacklisted? Would I be that diva bitch that, you know, is complaining about money? And by the way, we make pretty damn good money. So that's also people could say, yeah. Oh, wham, poor girl. She's not, you know, how many hundreds of thousands less than him? You but know, like, it's not about that. It's not. It's about principle and it's about, you know, conviction and what is right. There's right and there's wrong. And mm -hmm. this was wrong. And so when I, and by the way, that shit goes down all the way to minimum wage. Exactly. It's like, you don't want to be the one making minimum wage and the dude is making like $2 more than exactly. you. It's the same shit. It's like this, it's you got to fight for it so that it affects everybody, everybody across all industries. And so that, that was becoming so clear. And I was just so, I, I felt so certain about that. You know, I was like, I'll have to in some way be rewarded. And I obviously don't mean monetarily, but I was like, the universe will take care of me because I know that I'm right. And so, yes, I'm scared. It was like the scariest thing I ever did in my life, pretty much, um, probably. And it's like you walked off a cliff. We walked off and I'm, look, I'm here. Okay. You're I'm great. All right. We're okay. It's fine. The worst thing in your it's life right now is fine. you're dealing with a breakup. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's not a bad thing. No, we're okay. And, and not only that, but somehow, you know, I've heard from girls and women all over the world who had similar experiences or are still struggling with similar experiences and to connect with them and exchange with them and try and help them a little bit. And like, if, if there's that kind of good that came from my little singular story, then how lucky am I? It's like, it's all it's working huge. out. It's great. Doesn't that make you feel good? Yeah, it really does. So in obviously part of your mission once you left was, you know, to times up and to really help with everything. And like you said, mm -hmm. talk to these women and make mm -hmm. a change. But what also came with the freedom all of a sudden of just not having a structured day-to-day, -day, not knowing exactly what you wanted to do or have to do, mm -hmm. what do you feel like bubbled from that? You mean good or bad or both? Whatever. Because um, I know like when I left NBC, when that all happened, like mm -hmm. that year was insane and I didn't expect it to mm -hmm. be. It was like all of a sudden just like, and next you know, a year later, my life looked completely different. Right. Which was fascinating and yes. it wasn't necessarily intentional. Right. And you can't predict what that's going to be like at all. Um, it's been completely eye-opening. I mean, talk about a change. I went off to work every day, kid you not, for 20 years in the same way of like running to a studio uh, and leaving the house early. And just, I was on a hamster wheel of predictability, right? Like that was just, the light went on. I read scripts every day. <laughs> I did that for 20 years. Crazy. And so when that stopped, I had to say the first couple months were like, it was like grieving a death a little bit mm -hmm. um, and coming down. And in retrospect, looking back at my job and how hard I was working um, and loving what I did, but I, I, I was recovering. It felt like I was recovering. I was like in my pajamas a lot and just the emotion of it all. And uh, I, I was, I don't know. I don't even know that I left the house that month. Ginger's in the room here who works with me. She's probably like, yeah, I remember. <laughs> um, but it was, I, I would look back at pictures and I was like, I was so tired. I was 
look at how I looked. I looked like I was exhausted. Yeah. And the weight of all that and carrying that for so long, I mean, that in and of itself was pretty unhealthy in that last year, especially. So the transition at first was a little like a grieving process. And then, um, and then I got incredibly turned on to the possibilities of creating a new chapter. And then that's what it all became about. It became about building, um, my company and my brand and my choices and my team and, um, and what could I do with this new phase of my life? And so it's been very different because I've been on the other side of, you know, I was on TV. So I was kind of like the puppet girl, go on that assignment, interview that person. I was just told what to do all the time. And now I get to curate that and create that and also trying to develop and produce shows. So I'm in the pitch rooms, you know, at these networks or production companies, and I'm learning the business of making television. So that's so exciting. Do you feel like there's like a skill set that you always had that just wasn't being used? And now you realize that you're like, oh my God, this was always such a huge part of me. And it's Mm. been just kind of like shuttered. A little bit. Yes. I mean, what's fun about this is that it is very compartmentalized. I have all these different kind of things going on. I have my podcast now. I just launched a YouTube channel. I'm trying to develop a show for TNT. And so I have all that my website. So I have a lot going on, which I've always been pretty good at managing lots of things like most of us are. Um, But I think what the biggest thing I've identified is that at my core, I'm less of a girl who cares really about what the housewives are doing. I mean, I was reporting on E at E for so many years covering fun escapism and stories that of course I like, I love pop culture, but I am, I'm a lot deeper than that as a human. Right. Um, and so I've been able to just have more meaning to my work. Do so, you sleep better? Mm, good question. This week, no. <laughs> break, break up aside. <laughs> night sleep Break up week. aside. Um, <laughs> you know what? I've always been a good sleeper. You have been? I, so jealous. Anyone who knows me is like so annoyed by that, but I also protect sleep with my life. That's because why you look I, so pretty. No, but it, <laughs> I have tips on sleep. If we Please. ever get to all the apps and everything else, I have a whole regime when you it comes tell to us. sleep. Well, I, I do a lot to get a good night's sleep, and I do think it works. I listen to the call map before I go to bed. Okay. So I do listen to sleep stories and I love them and I'm usually asleep within three minutes, but I swear that lures me to sleep. It's like a lullaby and puts me into a good state of mind when I go to bed. I have um, sleep oils that I put on before I go to what bed. Are your do oils? you know Sunday Riley Luna sleep oil? No. <sighs> it's so good for your face, you guys. <laughs> it's a real luxury oil, but it has, <clears throat> I'm trying to think of what the aroma is, a couple beautiful scents that are very relaxing that I literally wash my face, put that on my face put it up my nose, behind my ears, <laughs> on my tip, you know, that whole thing. I even have, um, I have sleep spray. <laughs> I sound like a crazy I person. I want to go to your house and tape you doing all of I this. I don't do it every night. I don't do it. I, I do it when I like Feel need like a little really... extra help and I really want to sleep. But they, I think it's, um, Do you have any of those like weighted blankets or? No. What are those? I've never tried it, but I feel like I weighted, should. They so have these like, like weighted blankets that seem like. I don't know. We should try it. This should be our new thing. We're going to do this. We're okay. going to try them and sleep with it for like seven days and see how it feels. That's cool. But like supposedly they're heavier, but not heavy. Like you can't get under and they're really comfortable. And they like hug you, I guess. And they keep you sleeping. Longer. Like an adult swaddle. Or yeah, <laughs> except you don't have to swaddle yourself. Like you can yeah. get in and out, but there's something I think about the pressure. Uh-huh. That's I mean, I don't really know. I'm totally speaking. I, I, let's figure it out and then we will talk about it because I'm like, but see, the fact that's on the market, it's like everybody wants a good night's sleep, everybody. and it is vital to our health. And that is one thing I think that I, I I recognize the most is just I, I'm, again, it comes down to aging. Like you know, everything is a little harder now. It's not like yeah. I have all the energy in the world, so I really try to protect. 
um, that part of my health so that I'm just better every day. If not, I am sluggish and I do have a headache or all those things and they just hold, I'm less productive and who wants that? So. Isn't it funny? You really do get old. <laughs> it's a, it is. No, I feel, right? I feel it too. And I have a toddler and I'm in my forties <gasps> and I laugh cause I'm like, I just, and I have a lot of energy, but like I can feel the difference. It's do you have a boy like, or a girl? I have a girl. How old is she? She's three and a half, a little oh, spitfire. So cute. God. But it's like, but you know, you're moving. I'm moving. That's the phase. It's a lot. You're, uh, and you're, you're tired. still very often. Right. So you do feel, I always joke, I'm like, if this were 10 years ago or 15 years ago yeah. or somewhere in my late 20s, mm-hmm. it would totally, it would be very different. Yeah. Even though, and by the way, I wouldn't trade it because I also have a different perspective doing it now. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. obviously it all works out the way it's supposed to, but energy wise, it would be very different. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. We're, um. We're aging. We're aging. <laughs> I, I love that we're say. ending this on like, we're aging. Yeah, wah, we're aging. Do yeah. you, um, and then I want to get to your four years, mm-hmm. but do you feel like, one last question, like when your life changed that way, do you feel like your group, the people around you shifted too, or was that, or do you have like a good solid core group? Or was that part of the shift too? Like, do you look back now mm-hmm. a year plus later and you're like, oh wow, like those people changed a lot too. Hmm. My group is pretty simple and it's kind of remained. Do you mean my personal yeah. group or yeah, my yeah. Um, I, I've had your like go tos, your peeps. I've had a handful of very close friends that have not changed over the years. Um, I, like I, I hope, I think that's good. I, I think that comes with being so busy. Like, it's not like I'm out, <laughs> I'm out meeting new people and having coffee and like just experimental coffees with people that I think are cool all the time. Right. You know what I mean? I would like to do more of that actually. Right. But because I'm, I'm hustling so much. I mean, the other part of, you know, leaving a secure job with a paycheck is like somebody has got to pay it's, the bills still. And it's all on my shoulders. Right. Absolutely. So, so much of it is work. And then with my amazing two boys. Um, so I don't, I kind of have like the same, same besties I've had for 12 years and a couple girlfriends are, are near my nearest and dearest. But I think that's so important, especially in entertainment. A mm-hmm. lot of times besties can become attached to that mm-hmm. and not, and then all of a sudden they're not there when that disappears. Yeah. So it's great yeah. that you've had this great support system oh, the yeah. whole time. Yeah. And it's fun too. I mean, one of the cooler things about aging, I actually wrote this on um, my website today because I interviewed two, two girls. Do you know the summer Fridays jet lag mask. Anyway, they're two founders, they're entrepreneurs and they've been friends of mine for a long time, but they were bloggers, you know, 10 years ago. Now they have this flourishing business. And so it's also cool to get older and be in this industry longer because you're, you can reflect and see how people have changed. Everybody's journey is evolving. People are growing everything. You know, there's so many left turns, right turns. That's part of the coolness. Absolutely. I love life for that reason. Like you don't know when you leave the house this morning, who you might run into at the cafe or who, you know, I am always open to that. And I, I think being open to that will bring you and attract you some really cool shit. I totally agree with that. And I feel like I agree with you. That's the benefit about aging too. Like I have no problem as we joke with like a l- lack of energy. <laughs> I've actually never had an issue with any age. Like I've never been like, oh, if I could only be this again or that. I feel like they've all been kind of amazing mm-hmm. for that exact reason. Cause it's yeah. like, it evolves and you are exactly where you're supposed to be. And you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. You said something earlier about, when you finally got excited, obviously I'm misquoting you, but when you finally got excited about the possibilities mm-hmm. when you were talking about, and to me, that's one of the most exciting things about life is when you can actually look at possibilities and never feel like possibilities don't exist. Mm-hmm. It's awesome because like anything can happen and we are two examples that things change like that and that, that doesn't always mean it's bad. No, no. And, and sometimes those changes um, feel bad for a second, of but course. there's always 
there's always a, a, a meaning or you have a reflection and, you, and then you go, ah, the, the why of it later. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, it's helpful to remember that in those moments, but I agree with you. Let's do your four use. Okay. So, um, what's your favorite book? Mm, favorite, one favorite. Um, I am attached right now to Pima Chodron's pocketbook. Mm-hmm. It's like a pocketbook of affirmations really, um, that are really short that you can read like one a day. So that's my current favorite. Love it right there. Mm-hmm. Um, do you journal or have any other daily practice? Um, really my, my most consistent thing, it sounds so cheesy, but is my sleep story practice. I love it. <laughs> it's not cheesy. It's amazing. So much so that I've thought about reaching out to the company because, um, it's the Calm app again. And I'm like, A, I would love to narrate one to put Ooh. other people to sleep. And B, I want more of them because they get, if you listen to it every night like I do, it's like I've heard these stories right. and now we need more stories. Like Matthew McConaughey, now they're like have celebrities on there doing readings and stuff. So Does that ruin it for you though? Or kind you like, of. I was going to say, there's <laughs> probably something about the anonymity that's yeah, probably better. It kind of did. <laughs> What's a food, drink, object you can't live without besides your sleep stories? <laughs> um... I would say um, something I'm loving a lot of, back to our energy, is I take um, adrenal drops. Ah, I need that. They help. And I'm only saying that because I'm not a doctor, I'm not a fitness guru, but I do swear that I notice a difference from them. So many people are fatigued and drained and so busy and and, and all the stress, the way I understand it, really like drains the cortisone in our Mm -hmm. minds and bodies. And so we just are more sluggish. I mean, how many people do you hear say they're they're just tired, you know? That seems to help me. So I do a couple drops of that um, most days. Amazing. Yeah. What's your favorite self-care hack? Um, you know what I, another, this is talk about, you have good, by the way, you've got good tips. I like it. Really? Yes. Okay, good. Thank you. (laughs) Um, I, I go to shape house. We love shape house. Another shout out to one of our favorites. Sophie's up. We did Sophie on here and oh, she's amazing. amazing. She is amazing. Yeah. I wish I ran into her more because she's not there very much. We're at the location I go to anymore. But um, yeah, she's fantastic. But if people don't know what it is, it's it's like a sweat pod and you climb inside. And I don't know, again, what the actual benefits are health wise, but to just carve out time to go there and sweat it all out. I mean, some people I had my best friend go and she was like, I hate this. <laughs> she's like, you're, it's so claustrophobic. Yeah, I wanted hot. to kill myself and I had to get out of there and you have to sit still for 15 minutes. And I'm just, I love it. I'm I like, always say too. And by the way, if you guys want to know the benefits, her episode is on here. Sophie Sheesh and it's amazing. We talk all about it, but um, I always say at the very least, especially for people like us, I'm like, I get to sit there for 50 minutes undisturbed and watch a television show and I'm sweating. So I know something's coming out. Exactly. So I'm always like at the very least, that's huge for me. Like it's that's huge. a gift. With a three and a half year old, yes. you get to be like, Nicole hold knows I'm always like, I just need to go to shave house. Like I need my yeah. break. Yeah. I hope there are more of those across the country. I mean, obviously in LA and New York, there's tons of them, but yeah, I think they're starting to pop up. She's yeah. doing such a great job. Yeah. It's it nice. really is great. Um, you are amazing. This has been so much fun. Thank you for this. And thank you for being so open. Yeah. Thank you. I hope I don't regret saying what I said about my ex-boyfriend. I don't, you didn't say anything bad. I think what was great about this whole conversation is there's nothing you said that not a million people listening to this. Well, let's get a million people listening to this. (laughs) Um, (laughs) yes, girl, teach me your way. There we go. (laughs) Have ever like, have experienced themselves. Like we've all been there. 
Yeah. You know, and it's just so nice when people talk about it. And people are always going through something. I don't care who you are. Everybody. What you do or how much money you make. We've all got our stuff. Yes. Even the very, very happy people have their stuff. Like I always like to remind people that the people who have their shit together still have their stuff. Yeah. They just know how to navigate it a little bit You're great. Oh, well, you're great. Much continued success. Oh, thank you. And everyone here, just hang on because she will do her personal practice. She'll come back for that. And if you haven't subscribed, please subscribe and also write us a review. And thank you, Kat. Thank you. So now Kat is going to read a passage from Pema Chodron's pocketbook entitled Perfection is Like Death for her personal practice. So I've never read this out loud before, but this is um, this is number 68 in a collection of passages from Pima, and it is called Perfection is Like Death. And I'll read it and then tell you why it speaks to me. We think that if we just meditated enough or jogged or ate perfect food, everything would be perfect. But from the point of view of someone who is awake, that is death. Seeking security or perfection, rejoicing and feeling confirmed and whole, self-contained and comfortable, is some kind of death. It doesn't have any fresh air. There's no room for something to come in and interrupt all that. We are killing the moment by controlling our experience. Doing this is setting ourselves up for failure because sooner or later, we're going to have an experience we can't control. Our house is going to burn down. Someone we love is going to die. We're going to find out we have cancer or somebody is going to spill tomato juice all over our white suit. The essence of life is that it is challenging. Sometimes it is sweet and sometimes it is bitter. Sometimes your body tenses and sometimes it relaxes or opens. Sometimes you have a headache and sometimes you feel 100% healthy. From an, from an awakened perspective, trying to tie up all the loose ends and finally get it together is death because it involves rejecting a lot of your basic experience. There's something aggressive about that approach to life, trying to flatten out all the rough spots and imperfections into a nice smooth ride. To be fully alive, fully human, and completely awake is to be continually thrown out of the nest. To live fully is to be always in no man's land, to experience each moment as completely new and fresh. And I think that speaks to me just um, because the challenges are the gifts, I think, is my takeaway. And... um, I hope you see where I'm coming from and that resonates with you guys. Have a beautiful day. Be kind to each other. Ted Talks podcast would not exist without these incredible people, Nicole Rappi, Reem Edon, Hayden Fungheiser, Kim Bielik, and music by Alex Fetter. Thanks for joining us. If you haven't subscribed, please do. And also wherever you listen, please go and leave us a review. It's so greatly appreciated. It really does help us out. If you want to keep talking about all this stuff, please join our community on our secret Facebook page. Go to Facebook, search Den Talks Podcast, and join us there.